Greetings and welcome to another episode of Two Ball Guys. My name is Dave Anderson, a senior policy fellow at the Wisconsin Institute for Public Policy and Service, otherwise known as WIPS. Today's topic is how to bridge the divide in our communities and our nation around issues of racism, diversity and inclusion, featuring members of a forward thinking group in Southeast Wisconsin known as Bridge the Divide. Hi, Dave. My name is Eric Giordano, and I'm the executive director of WIPS. WIPS is a unit of the University of Wisconsin system founded in 2007. And you know, Dave, given our topic this morning on bridging the divide, I thought this might be a great opportunity for a shameless plug for our annual statewide conference, which we help organize known as Toward One Wisconsin, a conference on equity, diversity, and inclusion. Now, I mention this because the theme of the conference also just happens to be breaking barriers and bridging divide, uh, sorry, building bridges. So it's very apropos, I guess. And we invite all of you to join a growing and powerful network that reaches across sectors to every corner of Wisconsin to focus on individual, organizational, and policy level changes um, and to hold one another uh, accountable around issues of social and economic uh, and health equity. So join us in Eau Claire, which is our next, which is where our next conference will be on October 12th and 13th, 2021, to continue to exchange ideas, dialogue, reflect, connect, and take action. That's right, Eric. And we'll, we hope that everyone will save uh, that date on your calendar again, October 12th and 13th. But please know that if COVID persists as a public health danger, we're fully prepared to shift the conference to a virtual format in fact, last year's conference had to shift to an all virtual format. Uh, nevertheless, we had 800 registrants. It was just amazing to me that so many people took part. Uh, over 150 presenters, incredible national speakers, and some very talented artists and performers who helped magnify the message in a lot of different creative ways. Knock on wood that we can be in a situation where we can gather in person, uh, you know, Claire, on October 12th and 13th. But if not, uh, rest assured, we know how to put on a darn good virtual conference. That's right. And some of you may be wondering, uh, who is this conference for? Um, one unique aspect of the conference is that we purposely bring together people from across Wisconsin, from a variety of geographies, urban and rural, and all corners of the state, and from various professional backgrounds and walks of life, ranging from business CEOs to local community members. So in fact, we invite all of you to join us as we tackle and embrace equity, diversity, and inclusion in our communities and in our places of work and in our institutions. And thanks to generous sponsors, we have plenty of scholarships available to ensure that no one who wants to attend is turned away. And you can learn more about the conference at t1w.org, which stands for Toward One Wisconsin. Well, Eric, that brings us to the most anticipated segment of our pre-show, where I wow you and our many listeners with my incredible wit and humor. Are you, are you ready? Um, today, I'm going to do a knock-knock joke. So, Eric, you need, to, you need to participate with me. Knock-knock. Who's there, Dave? Champ. Sorry, Chim? Champ. Oh, Champ. Champ who? Oh, no. Champ who? I don't need any of that. I'm bald. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why? Why do I even participate. <laughs> well, Dave, I'm really glad to see you haven't lost your shine. Um, hey, speaking of Satan, if the devil ever lost his hair, do you know what would happen? What's that, Eric? 
There would be hell to pay. Get it? To, to pay. To pay. I'll see myself out. Okay. <laughs> so, before we get to our guests, let me just give a quick shout out to our fearless producer, marketing specialist, chill hop DJ, and token representative of an attractive younger generation. Thank you, Luke Rudolph. Well, thank you, gentlemen, and thank you for the laughs this uh, this afternoon. And Eric, you know, today is today is Luke's birthday. I don't know if you knew that. Happy birthday. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Just saying. Um, so, yeah, indeed. Thank you, Luke. Uh, Luke really makes the show possible uh, on a lot of different levels, and we really enjoy working with him. Now it gives me great pleasure to welcome our guests. Uh, first up is Erica Turner, a registered nurse and IT professional in healthcare and founding executive director of Bridge the Divide. Uh, Heidi Wheeler balances her work as a master's prepared nurse, doctoral student, clinical nursing instructor, writer, and mother of four, and as associate director of Bridge the Divide. Individually, both have received awards for their work around issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we are grateful to have them on the show. So uh, welcome to both of you. Glad to have you here today. Thank, Thank you. you. Fantastic. Um, why, why don't we begin by having uh, uh, both of you talk a little bit about Bridge the Divide? What, what's the group? What, what's the group all about and what does it do? Erica, you want to take this one or you want me to? You go ahead and start us out here, Heidi. I'm just, I'm thinking of our slides in our head. We have this kind of slideshow <laughs> we do for presentation. So Erica and I met, uh, we're both residents of um, the Southeastern um, Wisconsin town uh, called Cedarburg and um, I had moved there about I moved here about um, four years ago now and I started looking around and wondering why it was so homogenous it was all white people noticeably white and so I met Erica at church and I had been reading a lot of books on um, racism in America and history that I hadn't you know learned before in school and I was writing for a magazine at that time where I needed to feature family. And I asked Erica if she would let me interview her about what it was like to live as a black family in a really white town. And from there, um, you know, she had a lot of stories of what that was like. And we just struck up a friendship and conversation and then more people, invited more people into the conversation. And it has really taken off from there, you know, just one conversation in the living room with a handful of people to Erica has become a community organizer uh, extraordinaire. I, I do what I can, but she she's all over the county, all over all over the really this section of the state. I think um, networking with people and, and helping facilitate conversations and actions um, around race and, and justice. So she's our fearless leader. Thank you. I, I would obviously say with the skin I'm in, I'm no stranger to racism, but for the time that we were in Cedarburg, we still are in Cedarburg, but there was a time when the children were old enough where I got a little older, I got a little bit uh, more vocal, a little less patient with let's wait. And, um, and we've just been keeping our foot on the gas. Can you tell us a little bit about just to follow up what Bridge the Divide does, and and how did you get from a, you know, a conversation to an organization? <laughs> that that was fun. Um, mm -hmm. it it really was. 
when we first had the conversation, like like Heidi said, there's four people in the in the living room, and not really knowing if a town of twelve thousand that's um, ninety six percent white, if there, anybody was going to be interested in that conversation. So each time that we went to stand up to talk about it, um, let's build a relationship. Let's talk about hard things. Let's build a a safe space, but a brave space. So you can come in and ask questions, learn, get a little bit of pushback, a little bit of feedback. And people were more interested than I thought that they would be. I, and that was, you know, that's an assumption on my part on the fact that no one would want to be a part of the conversation. So it kind of feels like the passion that's turned to a mission. The job is to tell as many people as we can, educate as many people as we can, we bring in speakers. Well, pre-COVID, <laughs> the library sponsored us as a group so we could meet once a month in the community room at the library and do this community work. Um, we would bring in speakers. Uh, so post-COVID, we do that via Zoom, have humanities experts, have anti-racism experts, have authors, have people in the community that have stories to tell. If you, can't, if you couldn't come to a meeting, you could listen to us on a podcast. Well, um, in the same place, our library is super cool. Cedarburg Public Library has a radio station. So we do, we podcast and we record in the radio station that's inside of our library. Um, and, and then we have a website and Facebook presence. So trying to educate people, awaken people, um, share some perspective with people. Because we can't say that we're going to change the hearts and minds. We don't know. Everybody has to do that for themselves. But if they don't have any of the information, um, then I feel like that's on us. So we can provide some of that information and then let them work through it. Yeah, you've actually you've actually touched on this a little bit already. But you know, there's a lot of um, serious uh, polarization and politicization going on in our state and nation today. Uh, especially around the issues of diversity, equity, and, and inclusion. Uh, in light of that, how has your particular community accepted your organization and the, uh, the interesting work that, uh, that you do? What's, you know, what's, what's the level of acceptance? Or do, you, do you see more and more people paying attention? Hmm. <laughs> how do we want to take this one? Well, we, we like to say about our group, about Bridge the Divide, that we are nonpartisan. We used to say non-political, but that's not really true because as you know, politics, it's not just about your party. It's right. about what you wanna change and what you care about, where your values lie. So we, we try to invite you know, people of all political parties and backgrounds. Um, I, we also want to be you know, accessible in that wherever someone is at in this conversation, they feel like they could talk to us. And so we, we don't come at our work um, out of anger. We, we say we come out of love and respect for all the dignity of all. And so that's, those are a couple of our foundational principles. And so um, we try to be open and, and welcome to whoever, you know, might be interested in this work. Um, I, I'm trying to think of like specifically, um, I would say the, our community feels fairly split um, on whether they think this work is valuable and they agree that there's racism's even a problem in our community or nation. And there's other people who really think um, 
this is unnecessary. We don't have these problems and we don't need to change anything. So then we're either annoying or they would like us to stop doing what we're doing mm-hmm. or they're just gonna wait till we wear out basically. I, I'm not sure, but I, I don't know, it, it goes, this is long work. It's, it's long, the long work of change. And we, I would say that in, you know, the formal three years we've had with this, we have seen changes. Like there's now uh, a diversity committee on our, you know, on our city, what is it, board, Erica? As a part of the city government, city council. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we now have, there's a diversity committee, which Erica is, uh, what is your job, president? Uh, uh, Chairperson of. Chairperson. We're getting people who are now paying attention to the decisions the school board is making and realizing that if they don't vote, then their values, you know, at, at school board seat reelection time, reassignment time, that their values might not be heard if they don't get people. So I think, um, I think we have people across the board. And there's um, there's also a um, a group of people that had been thinking about had been thinking about race and racism and how it shows up and were isolated because it was just them or maybe one friend or one colleague. So for them, I think this presents a place to come and kind of gather together, talk through some things. You can have that book club and talk through some of the hard things that you're reading in the book when you have 10 people that are ready to talk about this versus just you by yourself. So I think that um, in that aspect, we've helped provide a little courage to folks who were thinking Mm -hmm. about things, but taking action on your own in isolation is different than joining this group of people that's ever enlarging and doing some of the work together. So I think that 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 we've provided that for them. You know, Eric, before I before I toss it back to you for your next question, by the way, you're you were muted. So it's a good thing I'm I'm talking right now anyway. But I, I have to tell you, I, I'm, I'm reminded of our guest last week, Rich Harwood, talking about how important it is to start really in your own community, right, to bring about change. I mean, these are the, the issues that you're dealing with are huge national issues They're issues that that, that, that confront uh, this country from one end to the other. But to really make a difference, uh, our guest last week was saying, you really got to start in your own communities and, and uh, change people's hearts and minds starting right in your own backyard. So I, I really commend you for the, for the effort you're putting into this and, and, and to the progress that you're, you're making. And I know it's, uh, it's, it's a, it can be a tough road. So thanks. Anyway, Eric, back to you. Yeah, I was actually just going to echo that point, Dave. I just, and you know, you mentioned that this is a long, you know, you're on a long process, a long journey here of racial justice, repair and healing. So I guess, and and you sort of answered this a little bit, but I I really like to hear what you're hopeful about, meaning, you know, can you point to some specific instances where you've changed minds or you've seen people really communicating in ways that they hadn't done? Like, I, I, I want to give us some hope here. And so, Help, help us out with that. Yeah, that, that can be kind of hard sometimes, especially when, um, for me personally, where I'm trying to be a cheerleader for people that are newly on the journey, but also needing to express how exhausting this is because it's been my journey my entire life. It's the journey of my mom. It's the journey of my grandmother. It's the journey of my dad. So trying to balance the 
you know, good job. I'm glad you're here. Let's do something. But I, I may not be as accepting of the, well, that's going to take a while. How about we start here? And I go, well, I started there at birth. I need you moving a little, a little more forward or a little bit faster. But we have seen things um, like Heidi mentioned about school board and common council. We, we have asked people to, to express themselves at these public forums, at these meetings, and, and folks have done it. And uh, as a part of the support, you know, if you're going to go to the Common Council to talk about an issue, well, then maybe if we have a copy of that speech that you use, we can also put that on our Facebook page and let more people talk about that issue. So I think that some of that, that movement is the, the incremental, you don't see it, but then some of it is, is there a teacher or a librarian that now has a different, um, a, di a different catalog of books that they're offering to students because we've helped them with our book drives or with our discussions on how to talk to children about race using children's literature or using children's films and they're incorporating it into their daily work. So those things you're not necessarily gonna see like a flashing banner, but folks are telling us that they're doing that and, and we're appreciating it and we know that it's gonna affect a change how long it takes for that change to manifest as the big blinking banner, I don't know, but that's also not what we're looking for. So um, the whole world has to change and it's just gonna one, one person at a time, one classroom at a time, one local politician at a time. It's, it's just, a, um, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult thing sometimes. You know, Eric and I were excited to uh hear about your weekly podcast, kind of like what, what we try to do here on the, on Two Bald Guys. And, and you've been doing that for a while now. Tell us a little bit about that. What was the impetus behind doing the, the podcast and, and how's, how's, that, how's that going? Well, <laughs> weekly-ish. Weekly <laughs> oh, just we like Two Bald Guys. <laughs> we, well, I, didn't it come, Erica, out of... Um, us meeting at the library, Cedarburg Public Library. And then we found out that they there's a producer there that would help us host the show. And he's been really supportive, Jeff. Um, and I think it, it really just grew out of that, that we have there, is it a state, it's a station that they run the library. It, and yep. there's, there's a bunch of different podcasters, but he helps us. Um, he sits in there with us while we talk and have guests. And I, I do think COVID's uh, made it harder um, because we used to have people come in a lot but also time I mean really I don't know I think since this summer I mean stuff has been I think the pace has been increasing really from the beginning it just got it's gotten more and more and more the more connections are made and the more questions people have and the more people feel like they want to talk about this but this summer really pick up the pace too after you know a bunch of national news George Floyd and others um, and i I feel like, you know, the work has, has really just, um, in the community, we're just being asked to talk a lot, to um, answer questions. And so I don't think we're able to get into the studio as much. Right. And yes, another shout out for uh, Jeff Messerman for CPL Radio. Um, it, it really is the time commitment one of the reasons why we make sure we stress this is a grassroots movement is it's it's a handful of people 
when they have the time, who have, you know, families, who have full-time jobs, who think this work is really important and will jump out and do whatever they can do whenever they can do it but recognizing that it's not a full-time job and uh, to, to do, well, Bridge the Divide is a full-time job, <laughs> but it's not the paying job. <laughs> so trying to get that done, um, it, it's difficult. But what we found with the podcast, one of the reasons why we just kept going and kept pushing, there are, there are people who wouldn't necessarily show up in the room to have mm-hmm. the conversations because the conversations are hard, they're uncomfortable, and it really, my, my position, I try to speak from the eye, my position is it's, it's not my job to make you feel comfortable because it's uncomfortable and it's hard and it's ugly and it's painful and you need to feel that. I'd like to kind of give you a downbeat so that you can feel it and digest it, but we still have to keep pushing forward. So there are some people that were ready to start listening, but weren't ready to be in that environment and feel and process all of that discomfort and pain and hurt. And some people have expressed they feel shame once they're hearing, really hearing the actual history. So they weren't ready to be in that space. But with the podcast, they could still hear perspectives and stories and and action steps from our guests or from us and listen to it in in their homes, in their cars, until they were ready to kind of interact with us in person. So I think um, part of Bridge the Divide is is the bridge, meeting people where they are. I can't define for you where your starting place is. You have to, but we're trying very hard to get to you wherever you are and then bring you into where the current state really is, (laughs) which is where you need to be. Yeah, great. I appreciate that, hearing about that. You know, Erica, I, I don't know, we haven't actually met in person, but <clears throat> I did meet you sort of at uh, another shout out to our friends at the League of Wisconsin Municipalities. They held a small communities forum. You and I were kind of presenters. And I, that's where I was really impressed with the work you're doing. And, you know, you talked about it being grassroots. And to me, that's part of why we were so anxious to have you on the show, because uh, I think there's a lot of communities out there that want to know, you know, what can we do? Like, can we do something like this? So that's kind of my question for you. Is is your work replicable? Could any community do something like this? And what would it take? Like, you know, what would, advice would you give? Mm. <laughs> we, I, we've had this question before from other communities. It's almost like they want bridge the divide in a box. Like, just tell us, yeah. how, like, give us the manual send us the folder with the handouts. I, I'm sure you have a lot to say about this, Erica, but I mean, I, I think what we just keep telling ourselves is we don't have enough time for this. It's exhausting um, and we have to keep going. Like we need more people, we need help, we need money, but it's really, I mean, I, I, the credit always goes to you because you put so much time into it and you, you know, you're a, like you said, you're a black woman, you've been living with this your whole life. And I mean, I, I don't know how you do it without burning out, except that you just, you see this need and you're willing to speak into it for now. I mean, if someone else was willing to do it, they wouldn't have to, or maybe wouldn't have to, but I think it, it takes leaders in the community that are willing to do the work for a long time in some capacity. And there's seasons, like maybe in some season people can give to this aspect of the work and some 
but it does take, I think, a visionary and someone who's willing to do a lot of the work and there's not money in it. And, and it takes a lot of time to figure out, you know, anytime you go into a system, there's pieces, pieces to that system and players. And you have to figure out who's not doing something or doing something based on something else. And it's just like a lot of networking and learning things and investigating, like you go up to Sockville, Port Washington and go into their record books and figure things out. Like it's man, you know, people on the ground. And so I don't think there's any easy way to tell people how to do this. But, yeah, I, but I but I feel that's true. I <laughs> Yes, all of that. Um, and I think what it's what you have to have and and Heidi's talked about this before is you've got to have at least a group of people that are curious mm-hmm. that are willing to ask what if how could we, you know, maybe some kind of options of things that we could do or or how we could get together um, and discuss them. Even if you don't know, our first meeting with the four people, it, it was great. We're here. So what do we do? I'm like, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I'm excited that we're all together. So I think that there is, there's the start of somebody willing to put in some skin in the game to start the relationships we can't do the work alone you know we're grassroots we're scrappy we put in time (laughs) but we need the other systems sometimes that's why it's hard systems who are perpetuating something that they think is working just fine we need people from those systems to be a part of this to network together we have other groups that are doing social justice work that we say well, can we partner on something? Can we join together? We, we have to do these things together and build the relationships, but somebody's got to stand up and say, you know, I, I just can't take it anymore. I'm going to change this. We can't keep going the way we are. And I think that's where people get stuck. Everybody can sit in their homes and say, I'm not sure that's right, but who's going to stand up and speak up and say, okay, well, let's change it. Let's start now today with whatever the first step is, take the first step especially in white communities, you know, as a white person, unfortunately, I have the luxury of not having to do anything and everything's going to be fine for me. You know, like my kids aren't going to get bullied for their race in school and I'm not going to get pulled over, you know, in my county for driving while black, you know, it's, 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 I can be silent. And so I think, yeah, curiosity is a word we use a lot. And what you know yes this community is great but it's not great for everybody and so um and and even like beyond you think systems too like beyond when our kids leave here this bubble that we have i want them to understand that this isn't what the rest of the world is like and how do you have relationships with people who are not just like you and so to me as a mother that's a big a big part of the work too is like I don't want you to buy into the system where a few people in power can tell you what truth is and it might not actually be truth. Like we have to fight that. We have to say, no, that's not okay. And otherwise you're just gonna keep perpetuating the systems that are in place. Wow, Um, some of what you've said just resonates so well. I hear this type of thing in the community I live in and really across the state of Wisconsin. I know we sort of had a viewer question. I'm going to risk it, Luke. Could you, do you want to go ahead and share that question? We're kind of running low on time. So 
Just keep that in mind. Sure. So uh, they just wanted to know what kind of speci uh, specific discussions are you covering? Do you have any examples? Sure. We, um, because everybody's in a different place, sometimes our conversation is, let's talk about definitions. I hear this word BIPOC thrown around. I don't know what that means. You know, this is where the safe part of the safe space comes in. I'm afraid to ask somebody else what that means, you know, so some of that is is just purely definitions. Some of it are the book studies, because then you can use Ibram X. Kendi, who doesn't need, you know, your help defining what the problem is. You can use his work and, and his chapters to kind of start that conversation. Sometimes we have community projects. One that we're working on is reviewing the Ozaki County racially restrictive covenants. So that in itself is a whole project to unveil, to do research, and that's a part of the work that's going to help with the healing. It may not change things as they go forward, but it's going to help with the understanding of history and the healing. And then another big thing that we have is we've bubbled up to the county level to say, this is not just a Cedarburg conversation. This is not random small town and Midwest conversation. We need to start where we are and then bubble up. So we have the county level that has, that is willing to host conversations with small facilitated groups to see what current events you wanna talk about, to see um, if you've read the books and you've read them in small communities, what themes are we finding? And then how do we get the action steps to, to make changes for those things? Sorry, I think that was supposed to be a short answer. Sorry. <laughs> That's great. In fact, I just feel badly because it's like I really want you to tell us about these um, homeowner and, and, and neighborhood covenants that you're uncovering. Um, yes. Do we have just like a minute to share just a little bit about that? Because I think our viewers really need to hear about this. Yes, yes. Um, about, uh, I think it was two years ago, Milwaukee County had um, a Milwaukee Reads and they all read Color of Law. And then um, I subcontract with Nurturing Diversity Partners. So Reggie Jackson and Dr. Fran, who by the way, uh, have just won another award because, you know, they're just good. <laughs> but they, you know, uh, Reggie Jackson talked to the author, Richard Rothstein, and, and had some more discussions about it. So that book really resonated with me because it spoke truth into the truth that I already knew from my lived experience, but had a hard time articulating for other people to say, and this date, this happened, and this is why our suburbs look that way. So we started researching we, uh, Milwaukee County. They were able to locate some of these covenants, and we started researching in Ozaki County. Are these covenants there? Do they exist? And we found some. We found six, and they are um, in the southern part of the county, and they, it's really a different animal to hear or to read no person is allowed to occupy or live on this land unless they are Caucasian or they're a domestic servant. I mean, just taking the wind out of your sails, even when you already know that. I already know that. That's, it's not a surprise to my head. It was, a, it was a heart issue going, that really hurt. That hurt to read that. That's right here in this town. Um, and, and now that we found them, we're trying to figure out how do we tell people about them? Because some people really need that tangible uh, some experience that's different than, you know, oh yeah, that happened, racism was a thing, it was in the South, it's all over. You need to see that in the 1930s and 1940s, we said it here and it was attached to your subdivision. 
So now that you know that, what will you do with that information? Is it just, oh, that feels bad and you move on or can you do something about it? So that's that county, that project in our county is working on revealing those, talking about it, making it real for people and then figuring out what we can do. We can't take them off of the books, but one of the things that the author recommended was writing letters or having petitions that say, that's not who we are anymore. Uh, acknowledging that past, but giving something that can help us with the healing part of it. Thanks for taking a moment to share that. Yes, yes. And I have, if I can take one more thing, I'm so sorry, Eric, one no, more thought that great. I had, um, I had recently quoted um, Malcolm X in a meeting that we had that said, if, if you put the knife in my back nine inches and then pull it out six inches, you haven't made any progress. Even if you pull it all the way out, you still have this open wound. And a part of what we're doing, the reason why we say racial repair that needs to happen before we can have any kind of restoration or reconciliation is those wounds for, for people of color are open and raw and we feel them all the time every day. So you can't skip that part. There has to be a part that is, is the acknowledgement and the healing and the lament together before we can just jump to, okay, we're all happy and friends and, and unity is all that we need. We need that healing as a part of this. Well, I'm really glad you took the time to say that because, you know, as, as is so obvious here, you know, as a, as a white man, you know, my head understands that point, but I don't feel it, right? I don't feel the wound. And so to, I think we do need reminders that it's there and that we need that reparation. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. And unfortunately, once again, the time has really flown by for us on Two Ball Guys, sort of like Dave's hair after college. Um, so thank you. I know, did you like that one? <laughs> so thank you so much, Erica. Thank you so much, Heidi, um, for taking the time to share with us some inspirational ideas and hope for bridging the divide in our nation and our communities. For more information on Bridge the Divide, you can visit bridgethedivide.life. That's bridge the divide, one, one word, no spaces, dot life. Um, anything else uh, that we, you want to point out to our viewers that, that they can go to if I've missed anything about Bridge the Divide? Um, I think also the Facebook page. Facebook page is Bridge the Divide Community. Awesome. Thank you. And once again, our deepest apologies to Dwayne The Rock Johnson for running out of time for a normal chat with him, but he assures me that he's highly supportive of the work that you two are doing, and he looks forward to being with us again next week. So thank you for being here. And I just want to add uh, my appreciation to uh, Eric and Heidi for being here today. We really appreciated the conversation. What a great show. And we'll see everybody again next week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.